You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. I'm, I'm warning you ahead of time. We're talking Raptors with Alvin Williams. I'm warning you ahead of time. Raptors are playing their playing game. Alvin Williams is great. Played in the league. He's everything Philly, too. Talk about some Philly sports with him. Love me some Alvin Williams. And then um, I'm sure we might get something out of the franchise at 8 o'clock. We'll see. Like, because we have a poll question up right now at George Russick and Matt Rose YYC. How are the results looking? Um, What we're asking you, which member of the Flames organization could be involved in his last game with the club tonight? Other please write in. We have over 228 votes already. Uh, Milan Lucic, Daryl Sutter, Brad Tree Living, or D, all of the above. Right now, um, all of the above leading 57%. Total house cleaning, people are thinking right now. Um, Brad Tree Living, by itself, only 3.1% of the vote. Daryl Sutter, even less than Milan Lucic at 24.6%. Yeah, listen, it is what it is. I don't know if... There's necessarily a, a do, you, do you think all three are gone? For, yeah, I would. Uh, that would be my guess. Really, all mm-hmm. three, all even Daryl's gone, gone from the organization. Miss the playoffs. Not even a- between players and coaches, and no. you've got the players signed for forever until eternity. So I wouldn't. Not be even kicked upstairs. Nope. No, I don't think that's. I. I've my the ship has sailed on that idea for me. I don't think that's happening. So who potentially, wow, okay, so do you think that's Ryan Huska's job then? If the coaching job? Yeah. No idea. That's who I'd like to see get a crack at it. Okay. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if there's a situation where you maybe move Kale McLean into a little bit more of a prominent role. Um, Ryan Huska takes over. Like, we, we've, was Lou just the other day mentioned, he feels like he's one of the coaches that's definitely ready for a head coaching. He interviewed for head coaching jobs last year. Uh, there, there's so much to discuss. Do you think Kirk Muller's his last game behind the bench tonight for the Flames? I have no idea on that. Um, I I could, you know, kind of go either way, I think, on that one. The power play hasn't kind of been there this year. And no. It's been a bit of a problem. But then again, personnel hasn't really been up to snuff either. So are you going to just lay that all on his feet? Mm-hmm. Not necessarily, but... I don't know. This is a power play that I think we all knew was going to struggle when you take away the the easy entries that Johnny Gaudreau afforded you through the neutral zone, when you take away the chemistry that Kachuk and Lindholm and Gaudreau had. The power play was going to regress, but I I don't know. That one, that one kind of up in the air. Uh, 960-960 name and location. You can weigh in on that as well. We're also the- asking you your favorite drinking games uh, in honor of the bong dong uh, that's being... <laughs> Used uh, in Baltimore for the, the Homer Warriors. Hose. Yeah, or the Homer Hose. Uh, yeah. Your favorite drinking game, 960, 960, name and location. Uh, we'll get to some of those too. We're playing Impossible Flames Trivia at 8.30. Your chance to win a $50 gift card to Vacay Brewing Company and some Vacay Brewing Company swag. Uh, here's a hint. It's going to be hard. How hard is it, George? It's tough. Okay. And we'll do that at 8.30. Uh, Matt Coronado, we expect to make his NHL debut tonight. And Dustin Wolf. This guy right here, patting himself on yeah. the back, said, why not give Dustin Wolf... Don't roll your eyes. Why not give Dustin Wolf Sorry, did a little I, did, bit did, of a could cookie? Could you see that? Yeah, yeah, you did. Um, why not give Dustin Wolf a bit of a cookie? Hey, why don't you go play in the show? 
after you've, you've been so good for the Wranglers, you've been so spectacular in the AHL, why don't you get a little taste of the big time? All right, there's a chance he might play tonight, which is awesome. And Matt Coronado at least gives you some uh, intrigue in a game mm-hmm. that means absolutely nothing to the Calgary Flames. At least there's two things to watch tonight. Dude, Dustin Wolf is so much fun to watch. Like, just being to a couple Wranglers games and actually ended up sitting in the, the Flames' defend twice end uh, right above the Zamboni entrance the last time I was there. And he's just... The way he tracks the puck, the way that nothing kind of escapes his grasp as in the kind of form of rebounds and that type of thing, he is impressive and fun to watch. And I, my biggest thing was, do you want to disrupt kind of what he's doing with the AHL team, but this is going to be a quick trip. He's going to come up. He's going to play the one game. He's going to go back to Abbotsford. He can play the last two games of the Wranglers season against the Canucks this weekend, even by making this start and then be eligible for the AHL playoffs still. And we expect the Wranglers to get a bye in the first round of the playoffs. So then they're probably going to have a little bit of time off there too. Yeah. So why not give them something that's a real challenge? Because Abbotsford isn't that great of an AHL team. Uh, I know that when it comes to the heights of National Hockey League goaltenders, it's all about the bigger the better. Mm-hmm. It, it makes sense because they just block more than that. Um, but you look at a guy like Dustin Wolf, he's six foot right on the nose. Yep. And what about that guy who was spectacular for the Predators a couple nights ago? Mr. UC uh, Saros? He's 5'10". Yes, he's not very tall. And uh, even, it's kind of his thing. And even um, Kelly Rudy talked about it's kind of refreshing seeing a guy that isn't a monster of a human being uh, be an incredible goaltender. And yeah, obviously you want a taller guy like a Jacob Markstrom in net, but uh, Dustin Wolf, six feet. Um, if UC Saros can do it, and I'm not saying Dustin Wolf's going to be the next UC Saros, but... He might. We we see stuff that, yeah, it is possible to be six foot now in the NHL and be an effective goaltender because in the American Hockey League, he's definitely proven that he can get it done. Yeah, and like we're we're seeing a little bit more of um not necessarily a push for it, but I believe Devin Levi, who's kind of crushing it with the Buffalo Sabres right now, is yeah, he's only six foot as well. He's yeah. won three of his first four NHL starts after really, really graduating guy. from Northeastern, and, and now he's playing with the Exactly. That's the exact same thing. Uh, he's athletic, yep. he's competitive, and he's incredibly smart. Like, that is the biggest thing. that If you ever listen to any of the Mitch Wolf chats, anytime he talks about Dustin Wolf, he talks about the way that he thinks the game and he reads the game because you have to be able to anticipate things when you're not as big. You, you just don't cover up as much of the net. So you got to be able to anticipate what's coming at you a lot quicker, and that's one of the things that Dustin Wolf really excels at when you watch him. How high in the lineup is Matt Coronado playing tonight? Uh, in the top nine, okay. which, like, the lines, to an extent, were interchangeable. I think as the season wore on, there was maybe a top six and then a third line and a fourth line. But for a lot of the year, the top nine were kind of interchangeable, how you wanted to list them. Um, I'm intrigued to see who he plays alongside, like, you know, is he going to be on a wing opposite of Jonathan Huberto? Are you going to go a left and a righty there? Because, you know, Coronado plays the right side, Huberto plays the left, and put someone else in the middle there, Backlund or Kadri, I would assume. Uh, I could see that. I could see them doing a total shuffle if they're going to get Pelche in as well. That was another thing that Ryan Leslie had pointed out yesterday. You know, as much as Coronado and Wolf are probably going to make their NHL debuts, keep an eye out for Jacob Pelche getting another game here as well. So, I don't. We could just see the, them totally thrown in a blender, and I have no idea. But I, it should be a top nine role. Um, 
Patrick Dumont, our producer, um, is this game uh, destined to go to overtime or a shootout <laughs> and the Flames are actually going to win in the overtime or shootout tonight? Oh, wouldn't that be just uh, apropos with how this year is going? Oh, yeah. Eh? Uh, just, uh, just win the, uh, the oh, meaningless yeah. game 82 in overtime. Uh, yeah, yeah. Th- I could totally see that happening for the Calgary Flames tonight. Big overtime win, shootout win to wrap up the hey, season. It's the, the two teams with the most overtime losses in the league. Yeah. Uh, so it, it would be fitting that these teams go to extra time tonight. Hey, if Pittsburgh wins their final game and the Flames lose theirs, that'll change their odds from 0.5 to 1.5% of mm. the lottery. Mm. Okay. That's essentially nothing. They'd have a chance of moving up to fourth instead of fifth because right. you can also only move up and 10 spots in the draft. So the Flames, even if they win the lottery, there you would go. not be eligible for Adam Fantilli. And I think that's really important for Flames fans to know that how the draft lottery works. The Flames cannot get Connor Bedard in the draft lottery. Or Adam Fantilli yeah. or whoever's Leo going to go Carlson. third overall. Sure. Or probably even fourth overall. So if, there if they you go. finish as they are today. Yes. So sorry to dash your hopes on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> Because the Flames missed the playoffs, they cannot get the number one pick in the draft. It they was cannot win the lottery that it, way. It was before a, they used to be able to, before they changed the rules. Until a couple of years ago, yeah. Yes. Everyone thought that there was a certain team that kind of got a little lucky every once in a while, yeah. over and over again. Like and, the Rangers did with Lafreniere. Yeah. But he's been okay. He's been good, but not number one good. Wasn't a overly strong draft, right? Like, yeah. you go back and look at that draft year, it's like, well... Is he the first overall pick? Yes, but like, is there anybody else that you look at and say ah, oh, they should have gone? Like Stutzla probably is the one guy that I would look no at. No question. But, but even then, apart from that, you're like, ah, eh, that wasn't great. Stutzla, Lafreniere, Byfield, Lucas Raymond, Jamie Drysdale. None of these guys have really had a huge impact except for Stutzla. Yeah. Um, nine sixty nine sixty name and location. Um, weighing on the poll question: Which member of the Flames organization could be involved in his last game with the club tonight? Uh, also, tell us your favorite drinking game because we were talking about the dong bong earlier. Um, you think this is Tree's last game as general manager? You think it's not a case where he's getting fired? Mm. It's just they don't renew his contract, or he does not take their contract offer. I think that's also very much a possibility. And do we have any idea? if he was actually offered a contract. I don't know if we've seen it from any of the insiders out there. I'm not that's, entirely sure. That's something we can talk to Eric Francis about. Mm-hmm. Breach yesterday on Merrick said they were t- maybe talking during the season, but then they tabled it to after the season. That's what he said yesterday. With Interesting. Merrick. I know I, you got to assume that there were some conversations at the same time that they gave the coach the extension as well. Because the coach was not a UFA. He had one more year on his deal, and they signed him to an extension. So After I would he not won be the Jack sh- Adams, yes. That just feels like a logical thing to do, to talk to both your GM and your head coach at the time. One of them got done. One of them remained unsigned now, for the rest of the season. let me ask you this. I'll ask you both this question. Would you be okay if they gave him a contract extension? Or would you like to see maybe a fresh face, a fresh perspective on the Calgary Flames? With Brad? Yeah, I would like if they gave him a contract extension. I think he's done pretty much everything that he could given the kind of hand that he was dealt over mm-hmm. and over again. Um, he's constantly billed as one of the guys who's one of the harder working GMs. You rarely see him when he's not on the phone because he's always got his finger on the pulse. He likes to know about everything going on in the league. I like that in my GM. I like what he's got 
you know, around him with Conroy and, and Pascal and Snow. I think they've got a really good kind of group around him. And like, I know people love to rip on the Huberto deal now, but come on. What else was there to do at that point when someone offers you a guy who just had 115 points and a first pair defenseman plus a first round pick plus a prospect you like for one player that isn't going to be around past one other season? Mm -hmm. I think you kind of jump at it. Would you give um, True Living a, an extension, Patrick? Oh, yeah. I, I, the, uh, it's one or the other's not coming back. I don't think both will be back. So you see, you take I, from that what you will. But I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I'm, no, you I'm, think both could be back? I'm, again, because here's why I think potentially both can be back. If you look at this team from top to bottom, only one guy had a career year, and that was Tyler Toffoli. Mm-hmm. And Backlund, too. Okay, sure. Backlund was great the entire he, year. He but he's a guy had a career that, high in points too. But yeah, but he's a guy that consistently is a, a great performer for the Calgary Flames. Was part of the best line for months on this team. But I would not be shocked if both guys are back. Like maybe this is a case where you bring. And again, this is I know a lot of people are saying this could be it for Daryl Sutter. This could be a situation where we see Daryl Sutter back but the leash is very short to see how the season starts next year. Yeah, I listen, that's certainly in the... Like, I would say that was kind of my line of thinking. Like, if the team gets off to a bad start, they make see a change. It. Yeah, 100%. If they get off to a great start, then let's see, let's play this thing out. Let's see how a whole offseason, kind of with Jonathan Huberto understanding what's going to happen. Like, you have to imagine, last year his season ends in, in heartbreaking fashion as a President's Trophy winner who's bounced in the playoffs way too early. And you're expecting contract extension talks from your home in Florida, and all of a sudden you get moved to Calgary. Yeah. Like, that's jarring. And for him to have a full offseason, now to be here and kind of understand what Daryl Sutter's like and all that type of stuff going into the season... I just expect that Jonathan Huberto will have a better year next year. Is he going to have 115 points again in his career? I don't know. Probably not, unless they get some stud to play with him. But I don't know. It's it's one of those things where I think this team could be better next year, even with a very similar roster. And I thought that for a while. But now just kind of hearing what we've heard from some of the guys around the team, I just really do wonder if that's going to be the case. And all the insiders, and I know all the insiders keep hinting that there's big, big changes coming to the Calgary Flames. Mm -hmm. I'm just not completely sold based on what I've heard and what I've gleaned from people telling me about this organization on how if they sign Daryl Sutter to that big contract, chances are they just don't want to pay him for free. Like they just don't want to do that. I don't know what that looks like. Could he be back? I don't know. This is something we'll ask Eric Francis about. Two things I want to ask Francis about. Number mm-hmm. one, has he got wind of any contract extension talks with Tree? Mm-hmm. And number two, is there a possibility that Daryl Sutter could start the season next year, but the leash is super short? Those are two things I want to talk to Francis about at the top of the hour. I think both of them are really reasonable questions. Like, if you're at Christmas next year and you haven't seen any improvement, especially from some of those key guys that you need to see improvement from. Well, I don't even think it's Christmas. I think the benchmark is always U.S. Thanksgiving. Yeah, that quarter mark of the season. Yeah, yeah sure. Because I think that's enough sample size. Yeah. With this group, because we just saw, well, after tonight, we've seen 82 games of it. And we don't know what the offseason is going to look like here. 
because there could be a ton of change on the roster because the number one mandate for this team should be signing Elias Lindholm long-term because he has one year one year left on his deal. They can talk to him come July 1 yeah. on a contract extension because if he's not extending, then that throws everything up in the air when it comes to the Calgary Flames with how this group is going to look like. Well, hey, and, and if the Flames do choose to somehow go that way, You'd have a lot of pieces that other teams that are contending next year would be really interested in. No question. No Hannafin, Chris Tanev. Michael Backlund. Yeah, a lot of those guys, teams would want Elias to. Elias Lindholm, like you throw one of those guys in your middle six, pardon me, that's a quite the roster. Yeah, but again, I, uh, I'm i skeptical that and the Flames. And their hits are so low. And the Flames would potentially do something because they have Codre and Huberto here from now until eternity. All right, straight ahead. Um, well, like I said, we'll do more Flames with the franchise. At 8 o'clock, we'll play Impossible Flames Trivia at 8.30. But straight ahead, Raptors analyst for Sportsnet, former NBAer Alvin Williams will join us. It's the big show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. It's Wednesday. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960. The fan live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the top of the hour. The franchise, Eric Francis, will join us. Lots of questions about what potentially will happen in the Flames offseason. We'll also get to uh, what's irking Eric as well. I wonder what we're going to get to this week. Yeah. Um, he keeps it on his phone and he writes stuff down, which I love. It's a running tally. Yeah. Of anger and uh, bitterness. Boy, um, would I like to read that note. Yes. Um, 8.30, we're playing Impossible Flames Trivia. Your chance to win a $50 gift card from Vacate Brewing Company and some mm-hmm. Vacate Brewing Company swag. And we'll also wrap up the show with your um, Flames text about our poll question, which is up right now. Which member of the Flames organization could be involved in his last game with the club tonight? Luchich, Sutter, Tree Living, or all of the above. And also your favorite drinking games, 960-960 name and location, in honor of the Bong Dong. Uh, for the Baltimore Orioles, a.k.a. the Homer Hose. The Homer Hose. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Raptors are playing uh, a play in the play-in tournament for the first time in franchise history uh, tonight. Uh, to preview that, Raptors analyst for Sports and, of course, former Toronto Raptor himself on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We say good morning to Alvin Williams. Alvin, how are you? Good morning, guys. How are you? Good. Um, you played in the league. You were a fantastic Raptor. Do you like this playing nonsense stuff? How do you feel about it? <laughs> well, since you put nonsense on it, I guess I should say no, I guess. Right? <laughs> I I, but, you you know, I, I I do like it just because as a basketball fan, man, maybe as a mm. player, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. But as a fan, I like the idea that we can still watch the end of the season. It comes down to it. And, you know, even the teams that we're not really interested in, watching is still some competitive juices there and they're playing for something. And then, you know, the tournament piece, it gives me that NCAA feel like you do have a chance where if you lose, you, you have to go if you're the 10th seed or whatever the case may be. So it gives a little, it gives a little pop to it, but I can also see a point where you play this play in game. It's a lot of, you know, like uh, attention behind it. And then you get a rewarded with playing the number one seed. So it's kind of like, just a just a progression, or 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 just going forward with something that's inevitable is a loss. So, I guess from a fan perspective, I like it. Maybe as a as a player, I wouldn't like it as much. The top eight teams, where I would whatever they've done in the regular season, they get rewarded by making the playoffs and not to play in. 
Um, Alvin, how much has the NBA's regular season, I don't know if uh, devalued is the right word, but since you played, I feel like the NBA regular season doesn't matter as much with all this load management and now the play-in tournament. Is this really a good idea for the league? Do you kind of feel the same way? You know, it is difficult. It's, it's, it's challenging because, you know, we've always looked at the regular season and being that old man, even starting the training camp when you had your two-a-days. And, you know, your, your training camp back then was three or four weeks almost, you know, two-a-days and just getting ready and that build-up. So after training camp, you were just ready to get started. And that first day, that opening day, and that opening week of playing, like you're just ready to rip somebody else's head off because you've been beating each other's butt. <laughs> for the past month, right? So you're ready to show what you've done. You're ready to show, you know, display everything this summer. And then now you see, back then it was a big thing to play 82 games. Like guys that played 82 games and they had the Ironman streak and all those things, like A.C. Green. And I remember Andre Miller, like, playing 700 and some straight games. and And it's not that anymore. And then it's more like, all right, we're just resting for the postseason or we're resting for a big moment. And, and that's how it is today. So it's very hard to get behind a game. When you turn the TV on, you don't know who's going to play. Yeah. You don't know what you're watching. So the expectation is hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to stay true to it. So it is difficult to really watch. And I, I talk to a lot of friends. They, they really don't watch the regular season because there's so much going on. So it's just very different and it's very challenging from that aspect. But, you know, at the end of the day, when you get to the postseason, you still see what the best, who the best teams are. I don't until right. you start seeing a surprise where the seventh seed beat the second seed and all of those things. I think it still shows that the regular season will give you a clear indication of who who, who are the better teams. Um, if Vince would have told you back in the day playing with him on the Raptors, hey, I'm I'm just going to take this night off because I just need to rest up a little bit. You would have said what, Alvin? Uh, I, w- I, w- I wouldn't have said anything to Vince. Now, if he'd have said it to Oakley or one of those guys, <laughs> I- <laughs> I've seen it. I'm not going to say. I'm not going to say. A te- I'm not going to say the teammate. But I remember we had a teammate who had an injury. He had an injured. He injured his ribs, and he got injured the night before. The night before at the game. The next day, he was being taken to the hospital to get an X-ray on his ribs. And we were sitting in the players' lounge, and a couple of players, and Charles Oakley sees this player going out before practice. He's like, hey, man, where are you going? I got to go check on my ribs, and, you know, I got hit yesterday. Man, there's nothing wrong with your ribs. The player turned around looked at the trainer. I was like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with my ribs. Canceled the appointment, everything, went to practice. So that was, that was kind of it. We kind of policed ourselves. Like, you knew you couldn't come around with a, with a phantom injury and then say, hey, guys, I can't play today, or I got the sniffles. I can't. The guys weren't going to let you do that. So it was, we, we, accountability was a little different amongst the locker rooms back then. Um, if you're a Zion Williamson teammate, mm. uh, what would you say to him right now? I, you know what? I would be concerned, honestly. And this is just me, me being, you know, I, not knowing the injuries. And the biggest thing is he ha- he's so talented. And when he plays on a team, he's so impactful. And that team is a totally different team when he plays. But for whatever reason, when he gets these injuries, and people have been saying it early in his career, you know, whether it's the weight, whether it's his body structure, some of these injuries do not allow him to play and a guy that's so dominant and so powerful and so athletic if you have an injury that takes away that aspect of the game your whole 
game has changed. So it's critical for him to be healthy in order for him to be the type of player that everyone sees him to be and that he's paid to play. So those type of injuries are very are very specific for him because it will impact the way he plays. As a, te- as a teammate, I would actually be, be cautious and, and be concerned for his, his well-being overall, for, for, for his career, rather. Alvin, what have you made of the season series between the Raps and the Bulls? A couple of teams that, you know, down the stretch, defense has kind of been what they've been able to hang their hat on here. Um, I, I like I like the series because some of the games have been good games, but it, it's just the dynamic of having a DeMar DeRozan back, right? I love, I love mm. the fact that DeMar gets a chance to play against the Raptors for, for a meaningful game and see how he responds. Of course, I believe the Raptors, their defense, they've, they've done a phenomenal job, you know, when they really lock in. They have, multi, they have multiple guys that can guard multiple positions. They have guys that can guard, do a really good job of guarding DeMar, especially OG. The thing that I'm scared of from defensively side, like how do you contain Zach Levine? Because he's a guy that can, he can, he can strike from the outside. He can spread out your, your defense and then let someone like DeMar go to work or Vucevic or some guys like that. So he's, he's a key piece. So when the Raptors have had success, he hasn't had the best game or he hasn't played at all. But, you know, both teams, they have to rely on their defense because they're not great three-point shooting teams. They're not going to space you out. And they're, and they're inconsistent from the offensive side in the perimeter. So they have found a niche of where they can just be um, physical defensively and give themselves a chance to win. So it's going to be a defensive game, but it's also going to be a, a, a strategy that's going to have to be put in place to contain from the Raptors' side, those two offensive threats and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. I'm fascinated to watch uh, Fred Van Vliet go up against Patrick Beverly for this game just because I think any time that Beverly's on the court, especially in a big game, his antics can be fun to watch perhaps. Maybe not if you're a Raptors fan, but what do you ex- <laughs> who are you looking to for the Raptors to maybe carry the offense for them today and, and handle this Patrick Beverly situation, I guess? You know, it's hard. It's hard um, just watching. I know Patrick Beverly, he will get up under your skin, but he's one of those guys that you love for him to be on your team and hate to play against him. But when you're going against somebody like Fred, who's steady, who's who's calm, he's very poised, and he's not going to get rattled at all. Fred's been in the biggest of the biggest of the games and played at a high level in those games. So he's not going to get rattled. But the thing about Patrick Beverly, he'll put the battery and the rest of the team back, and, and and those guys that go out there and play. He he loves playing that role as a spoiler. He loves upsetting people. He loves doing it on their own floor. So when you have a player like that, that can, that can be infectious to the rest of your team. And I mentioned before, this is a personal game for DeMar, potentially. So when you, when you have that, you have to match that intensity. And more importantly, you have to be focused for 48 minutes or however long the game goes. So I think the Raptors offensively is going to be Fred that's going to have to manage the game. I believe the Raptors are at their best when he's managing the game and he's allowing Pascal to do what he does and he's allowing OG to get his opportunities and he and Fred gets his opportunities as well. But he coaches and he's that extension of the coach out there on the floor offensively and defensively. So I love when the ball is in Fred's hands and he's operating as the traditional point guard. A former Toronto Raptor, Raptors analyst on Sportsnet, Alvin Williams, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Podcast Hotline, Big Show, Ruskin Rose, 960 The Fan. Alvin, what have you made of Scotty Barnes' season? Um, Scotty Barnes' season, it, it, he's, he's finishing strong. I think he's, he's had some very good moments as the past two, after All-Star break, I can't quite remember. But he, it was a learning, this was a great learning season for him. Coming into his second season, 
having expectations. I'm sure he had his own expectations, but not quite knowing what to expect as a second-year player and still young. Um, he started off struggling a bit, and I think that was a big part of just the learning process. But he's starting to figure it out. I, I love what he brings to the table. I love his his versatility. Um, I like the fact that he stopped spending a lot of negative energy arguing calls and, and going against the referees and just playing the game of basketball. I saw that early in the season, which I think impacted his game overall negatively. But once again, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all in with a Scotty Barnes as long as his work ethic is there in the summertime and he continues to get better. But um, he has the tools to be very, very good in this league and a big, big piece, if not the piece at some point for the Toronto Raptors. But I think this is a great season for him to continue to learn, see how different defenses were guarding. You see back in certain situations, guards, people were playing off of him, allowing him to shoot. He figured out he had to be more aggressive and get himself in different situations. So it was a great learning experience for him. And I think year three is going to be really big for him because he's putting the pieces in place and he has to continue to grow with, um, with, along with the team. Alvin, is there a chance tonight is Nick Nurse's last game as Raptors head coach? Hey, this is the NBA. It's always a chance for anything. <laughs> I, I didn't, I've, seen, I've seen coaches get player of the year, get fired. I've seen coaches that have uh, a, a two-game winning percentage better than mine and get a better job. And by the way, my winning percentage in high school is about one, like about one, one uh, percent almost. So it's not, a, it's not that high. So the NBA is just tricky, and and the coach's job is just so difficult because there's so many variables to how well you coach. You know, do you have the right team? What does a successful season look like? We're tanking players. We're resetting. We're trying to go for a championship run. And all those things have to come together. So, you know, sports is one of those things where a record does not always indicate how good or how bad of a coach you are. It's always about timing and your situation. So, I mean, you, you just never know. Has Nick Nurse deserved to uh, be in the situation he's in? Heck, yeah, he's put a lot of work in. He's been successful. But once again, the, the NBA is the NBA. So without me knowing any details or any mm-hmm. you know, high-secret information, I just don't know. But this is the NBA, so nothing would ever surprise me. Uh, do you guys know in the locker room, Alvin, did you know when you played that eventually, yeah, this coach is kind of worn out as welcome and maybe we do need a new voice? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the players definitely know. The players, the player, especially those uh, the veteran teams that's been around, they've been in certain situations, and it's it's kind of like it's, it's like it's like parenting, right? It's kind of like you have a young team, and then the team grows with you, and you and you set the foundation. But you know, the younger players they become adults, and they they want something different. They need something different to take their game to the next level, and it may be a coach. It may be a trade. It may be something like that. But the players definitely have a feel. Now it's up to management and it's up to everybody else to see if those players are qualified enough to have those type of thoughts, right, if, if we're going to take those thoughts into true consideration. Because the players do have a grasp and they do have a pulse on what's going on in that locker room, just like a coach would understand if we need new players or we need a change in the, in the roster. So that, that's an intimate setting. So everyone pretty much has an idea of what's needed to move forward and be successful. Does it feel like the Raptors are coming up on a crossroads here after the postseason with Nick Nurse? And, and even at the trade deadline, there was so much talk of different guys being traded in and out. It, it might be a little bit of a, a change of 
trajectory, perhaps. Does it feel like it could be that in the offseason? Once again, like, you, you never know. Yeah. I, I'd never be surprised. But, you know, I think when the Raptors have had their success and when Raptors turned the corner of having, you know, consistent success season after season, they have stability, right? It's, it's been the same coach, whether it was Dwayne Casey, the management, the ownership. Like, these things stayed in place. And I, I think it's only, it's, it's only fair and it only, it's only responsible to work through some of the things that things can't be worked out, whether it's coaching, whether it's management, ownership, with players or whatever, then that you got to make a move. But at some point you got to weather the storm. Is Nick nurse a great coach? Yes. Do they have great players on the team? Very talented players. Yes. Is it the right match? Who knows? But I think it's something we really have to come to the table and figure out if we are at a crossroads. And a lot of times it's not just, once again, it's the performance, it's the relationships, it's the conversations, it's what else is available out there that can make us better. For instance, if you if you look at DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, their, their run as a backcourt and teammate and leaders of that team, it was very successful getting to the Eastern Conference Finals. But then it's something out there that can possibly take us to the next level, and that's a Kawhi Leonard opportunity. So you make that, you take that opportunity, then you bring a Marcus Soul. So a lot of those things about timing, necessarily going into the season, is not always those thoughts. But as the season progresses and as the games progress, you start figuring things out. So this summer is going to be one of those type of conversations if decisions haven't already been made, which I'm not privy to. But it's always that, that this, is a, this is going to be a fun time of the year, an exciting time of the year, I think, for everyone. And sometimes the, no change is the best change. So you, you mm. see what you stick with. Um, Alvin, you're a Philly guy. How much pressure on the Sixers to finally get this done and get deep into the playoffs this year? Oh, man, it's, it's pressure. Every, it's pressure <laughs> from day one to, to the day, the last day. This, this is just a this is just an unbelievable city when it comes to expectations for every sport, every every season for every sport. It's, it's Super Bowl, it's World Series, it's championships, it's everything until so it comes down to it. But this is a city where the expectations are very high. You have a Joel Embiid, potentially the MVP. There's a lot of pressure on Doc Rivers, of course, but, you know, he's a veteran coach where he's been through it all before. But there's a lot of pressure, and this is a this is a good team. This is a good team, um, and this is what you talked about when you talk about the regular season not meaning so much. It's all about the postseason. The Sixers are ready for the postseason. They've done well in the regular season throughout the years now after the process, um, that, that, whole, that whole piece they were doing, but now they've been having good regular seasons. Individuals been having very good regular seasons. Now it's about the postseason and how they can adjust and how they can make a run. So there's a lot of pressure on this team. There's a lot of pressure on the coaching staff and a lot of pressure on the players individually. So, but this is what this this city is made of. They mm. they like putting pressure on on their on their hometown teams. Uh, does it does it feel wide open both in the East and Western Conference more so than we've seen in years in the NBA? Oh, no, for sure, especially the West Coast. I still don't know. Like, you know, you coming into the season, I mean, you do a poll and you do your predictions and stuff. There's no way I had, you know, the Golden State Warriors creeping into the playoffs, right? You yeah. know, <clears throat> but everything was so close. And then you don't know that Kevin Durant's going to get traded to the Phoenix Suns. And didn't have, I didn't really know that Denver was going to be as consistent as they were. Memphis Grizzlies going through what they've gone through and it's still the number two team in the West. So it's wide open, but I think, and and even the Lakers, you know, people still giving the Lakers hope, I think, with the AD and LeBron factor, I think people are still hopeful for that. 
So it's really wide open with the West. Um, I'm always looking for the consistent, the teams that play the most consistent on the road and at home, defensively and offensively. Phoenix Suns looks like they can be that piece, but I can't discredit the Denver Nuggets. If they're healthy and Jamal Murray is healthy and these guys, I can't discredit that because you have great players and you have a team with a great coach. But even at the East, the East, I'm still, I like Milwaukee Bucks and I like the Boston Celtics just because of their team makeup, the players they have on their team. And, and defensively how they can impact the game. So I like both of those teams as well as the top for the East. Uh, it's very close. I, I, don't, I, don't, I can't pick a team. That's, this is probably the first year I can't pick the two teams that's going to be in the championship. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's going to be super fun. Just real quick, Alvin, how does a guy like Nikola Jokic play like that and look like that with like lunch lady arms? I don't get it, Alvin. He's such a he's such <laughs> oh, a specimen. <laughs> like, how does a guy look like that and play like that? Because he's such a nightmare out there for everyone. Hold on, man. What, what, what's a lunch lady? Because my mom was a lunch lady. <laughs> my mom got lunch lady arms. I'm just now. saying, Dirk <laughs> Nowitzki had lunch lady arms. Like you know, he was a great player. It just he wasn't he wasn't cut. Like Nikola Jokic, great player. Yeah. He's not cut. <laughs> Man, I, I, you know what? It goes to show all this stuff, athleticism and speed and all that. That's just a piece of it. If you have the mind, mm. you have the know-how. He just has the, he, he has the mindset of a point guard, has the tenacity and the toughness of a 90s center, right? <laughs> and he, he's not going to get bullied. He's going to, he got his team back. He sets the tone, but he makes everyone around him better without having to jump over a phone book, having a lunch lady arm, having all that. <laughs> His mindset, like Albert Einstein on a basketball court. So yeah. I guess that's more important. And he's going to be able to play until he says, I do not want to play. Because guess what? The jumping is not going to get worse. His right. speed's not going to get slower. His brain is just going to even get more sharp. So he's going to be able to play and do the things that he's doing until he says, you know what, I'm finished and I'm going to just ride out to the sunset. So. Yeah. I take my hat off to guys like him. Yeah, he's uh he's a fantastic player. Alvin, uh great stuff. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's do it again soon. For sure. Anytime. Have a great one. There he is, Alvin Williams, uh Raptors analyst on Sportsnet, former Raptors point guard on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since nineteen seventy five. Down in at sixty sixty Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out or delivery at four oh three. 248-3344. Could be Nick Nurse's last game as head coach of the Raptors, which is super interesting because, and then he had the quote earlier, well, you know, uh, my future here, contract, he's like, oh, I don't want to talk about it. Then why did you bring it up yourself? Like, it's just weird stuff like that. He could be just, sometimes things just play themselves out. Maybe he just and, had a bad week. Maybe his yeah, coffee but, was but cold. But at the same time, like, he brought big part of the championship, you yeah. know, had the box and one to shut down Steph Curry in the Team finals. Canada. Yeah. Again, sometimes things just run its course when it comes to the head coach of the team. And it'll be fascinating what the Raptors do in that game. Uh, Eric Francis about to join us in about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. Uh, he tweeted out Dustin Wolf will play tonight for the Calgary Flames. So it's official. And Matt Coronado's parents and friends are flying in this morning to see him make his NHL debut. We'll love to see that. Love so, to hear it. So two things that uh, a ton of intrigue surrounding the Calgary Flames tonight, but Dustin Wolf in net for the Calgary Flames tonight. Uh, there's a reason to make your way down to the Dome tonight Pre-game, to see those two dudes play. Pre-game skate will be at 1030. Patty will have your lines from practice and tell you everything that he sees there. Uh, and then we'll have a better idea of where he's going to play. But yeah, it's, I totally agree with you. Get down there early. Make sure you see the rookie lap. No problem. It'll be fun for both of them. Two rookie laps. Oh. 
yeah, yeah. Goalies do well, rookie. Well, they're both making their NHL debut. Goalies do rookie laps. Sure, why not? Yeah, we've Sign seen goalie. Up. We've seen goalies rookie do rookie lap. laps. Yeah, you know what? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fly out we there. We will. Both of them just shooting pucks. Couple right off the bar yeah. and out. Yeah. 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 Why not? Couple backwards crossovers, maybe. We've yeah, seen a lot it. of goalies make rookie laps. Yeah. It happens in the NHL. All right, I'm in. I'm sold. I'm invested. Sign uh, me up. We got lots to do here in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll talk to Eric Francis. Uh, a couple questions we want to ask him. Has Bradtree Living had a contract extension? Has there been an extension talked about? Has there been... what? What's 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 the details on that? And could we see Daryl Sutter back next October, but maybe a shorter leash? Like, mm. these are things I want to ask Eric Francis about. And then at 8.30, we're playing Impossible Flames Trivia. We'll mix in some of your text messages. We got a poll question up at George Russick and Matt Rose... YYC. Which member of the Flames organization could be involved in his last game with the club tonight? Milan Lucic, Daryl Sutter, Brad Tree Living, all of the above. Weigh in on that 960-960 name and location. And in honor of the bong dong for the Baltimore Orioles, uh, their home run celebration. The old what's the host? best? Yeah, what's your favorite drinking game? 960-960 name and location. We'll do all of that in the 8 o'clock hour. It's the big show. Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan.